0: You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee... Sit down and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free guide for general music teachers. The Elementary Music Newbie Guide is perfect for those new to teaching music and those who are looking for a bit of a refresh. This free PDF will guide you through setting goals, determining classroom expectations, making connections, and thinking through classroom procedures. To grab your free copy, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com/slash newbie. That's thatmusicteacher.com/slash N-E-W B-I-E. This episode with Sarah Oliver is all about advocating for ourselves and as professionals and making sure that we are advocating for what our students need. Uh, Sarah is a wonderful friend of mine. We are doing our coda levels together, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Sarah Oliver lives in Zenia, Ohio with her husband Kevin, her three beagles, and two Bengal cats. She's a music educator on a mission of sharing her passion and knowledge of music to anyone who will listen. She received a bachelor's in music education from Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois, and a master's of music education from Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. She's been teaching general music for the past six years, starting in Cleveland and then moving her way to the southwest Ohio region, teaching between Cincinnati and Dayton. She's currently teaching k through eighth general music at Mother Teresa Catholic Elementary School in Liberty Township, Ohio. She's been taking her Kodály levels at Capitol University during the summers of 2019 and 2021, and she's currently level two certified. And she's currently level two certified. Her passion for music education started at the age of 10 when she started band in fifth grade. Her love for teaching and learning about music only grew from there, and she knew that she wanted to be a music teacher. She felt that nothing else in the world could satiate her passion for music than sharing it with children and with anyone else who was willing to listen and join in. Without any more chatting on my part, here is my interview with Sarah Oliver. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with a good friend, Sarah Oliver, all about how we as music teachers can advocate for us as professionals and as like real people that aren't just there to give teachers their planning time. And as you can tell already, this is a conversation that I'm so excited for. So, without any more jabber on my part, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: No, thank you for having me. I'm really excited.
0: So a little bit of backstory: Sarah and I met doing our Kodai levels at Kaplan University, um, and we had the pleasure, I hope, of being next to each other um, for our past levels. So we were able to, you know, give each other all kinds of, you know, silly faces and things um, to keep us fun and sane during Kodai levels. <laughs> <laughs> So Sarah, before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, where you went to school and where and you where you teach what you teach all that fun stuff.
1: Okay, so I started undergrad at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois in 2006. I graduated in 2011 with a bachelor's in music education. Um, I didn't teach for about 5 years, then then I started teaching in Cleveland, Um, And then I made my way down to uh, the southern-ish part of Ohio near Dayton um, and have been teaching in between Dayton and Cincinnati for a few years trying to find my special spot to to call home. And while doing that, I worked on my master's degree and just finished my master's and my orals about two weeks ago at Wright State University. Mm -hmm. And yep, I know. I'm really excited about that and just kind of seeing like where that takes me. And now I'm teaching at Mother Teresa Catholic Elementary School in Liberty Township, Ohio, which is a—it's a really nice little town. And I'm excited because I have 600 students, and I teach K through 8 general music.
0: That's awesome.
1: It's a lot, but it, it's—I'm sure—crazy <laughs> and wonderful all at the same time, and kind of intimidating and scary too
0: i'm sure so other than teaching what's something that you're really passionate about and brings you joy in your life
1: brings me joy well i i love animals (laughs) so my husband and i have uh, quite a slew of uh, pets well five but that's a lot for people um and they bring me joy on a daily basis and kind of for like my comfort when i come home and then i'm really passionate about like my health and fitness and I love playing tennis and I don't know I just like do, I like experimenting and trying new things so I mean I love life and, and that at the end of the day so I'll try anything
0: I love it and I'm sir. I'm not sure if it, you knew that it, were, it came through but literally right before we hit record her cat behind her was making like the loudest like Cat sound. I don't know, like meow. I guess, <laughs> and so I'm, so I'm hoping you guys get to hear a little bit of the cats in the background, uh, because I'm sure my cat is going to make an appearance. The last podcast I interviewed, she decided to start gnawing on the microphone stand, which, as you can tell, or as you can imagine, is a little bit loud.
1: <laughs> well, they they love to
0: talk, for sure. oh There we go. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> oh my goodness all right so what really led you to pursue a degree in music and why what kind of drew you towards music education and then how did you end up in your your current position
1: well I ever since I was little I knew I absolutely wanted to be a teacher like I just I just had a I don't know I just felt like that was that was who I was supposed to be and then once I joined band in, like, fifth grade, and I always sang growing up. I was like, oh, man, I want to be a music teacher. I just loved it. I loved learning new instruments, and I loved learning how to sing, and I started taking private voice lessons at, like, 13, and I went to a performing arts school in Akron, and it just really blossomed. And then I thought I wanted to be a choir teacher, but once I got into, like, the world of, like, general music, I – I became so impassioned by it. So I
0: I just love how many people, how many elementary music teachers have that same story, that were just like, "Oh, I'm going to be a choir director. It's going to be wonderful." And then they just like fall in love with teaching elementary.
1: I think we just forget about like where music started for some of us. I mean, I can't say my elementary music teacher was amazing, but I do remember some of the songs, and I still like enjoy humming or singing them but i, I want to bring that i want my kids to remember me and then you know how we like remember and revere our choir and band directors well i think it should be so much deeper than that you know beyond band and choir
0: most definitely so what how did you end up in your current position cuz i know you you said you just switched positions so i'd love to hear uh, a little bit about that story
1: i did i i kind of been a job jumper. <laughs> since I started teaching, I really haven't been, I, I've been looking for my special place since I started teaching, like, in Cleveland, like, I loved the school, but I ended up moving down to Southern Ohio, and, um, I was just trying to really find the right fit. I was at a, a Catholic school previous, but it was smaller, and I was just really looking for growth, and, you know, something, some of us do, some of us don't. I was like, hey, I decided, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it. And so that's what I did. You know, I was like, I, I want something where I can call home. And when I, I interviewed for this job, um, I felt like it was a place that I could call home. Like it was so warm and welcoming and I just felt really at peace. And when I feel like when you feel at peace with something that you should jump on it.
0: So let's go ahead and like dive in because this is such an important thing about how can we show others and remind ourselves that we are professionals. We are people with highly specific pedagogical, pedagogical content knowledge. And I think so oftentimes that gets forgotten. So let's start off with a, kind of an easier question, <laughs> which is why do you think music education is important, especially at the elementary level?
1: Well, when they're so young, they're these amazing little sponges and just like they are learning to read and write, you know, English in the classroom, they're learning to read and write in the music room too. And that's just like stimulating so many parts of their brains and it's it's helping them on all levels. So, I mean, I think as, as we grow and develop, you know, as they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. And, and that's the honest to God truth. Like if you don't use the skills that you have um, in your neural pathways, you, they kind of snip, that you lose them. And that's why like, it's so nice to start playing piano or being in music class, that's really gonna um, help your musicianship at such a young age. Cause you're just, they're little sponges and they just take everything in and they remember so much. And so I just think it's really important to start in the elementary school, at the elementary level, you know, being musical. Like children can absolutely 100% be musical.
0: I agree. That's one, of, again, one of those hills that I will gladly die in is that all children are musical. Absolutely. And, it, and it's up for us as teachers to figure out how to help them figure out in what yeah. way that is.
1: And we have to be musical for them in order for them to kind of like follow in our footsteps because we, they, they They do what they see and hear. Obviously, since we're musicians, it's all about what most of it's about what they hear.
0: For sure, and I think unfortunately, it's a very real thing for a lot of teachers to have to advocate for themselves or for the subject area, and you know, push back against you know schedule cuts and things like that. So, at your core, why do you think that music educators? so often have to advocate for our subject area when it might not be so the case in a different subject area?
1: Well, we're seen as kind of a fun class. They, you know, I say a lot of times teachers maybe see us in music and we're singing and playing games and the kids are having fun. Cool. The kids are having great fun. Absolutely. But we're doing so much more than that, but they, they're not sitting there like, you know, saying, oh, what what kind of concept are they learning or why are they singing that song or why are they playing that game and what are they doing with their hands and how is that helping them, you know, in this area or how are these songs and games helping them with their social emotional development, they're just, other teachers don't see the deepness that music educators or arts educators in general, see as a purpose like in our jobs.
0: So I agree. I, I I feel I feel like when done correctly, music education should look just like fun and I, I think that's you, you hit the nail right in the head a lot of times it can look like that's all it is but you know i think we both know <laughs> you know when we're teaching a singing game we're, we're doing steady beat we're doing melodic contour we're doing gross motor skills Absolutely. you know character development there's so much that goes into that and there's so it's not just pulling a bunch of songs and singing them it's you know scaffold them in a way to allow students to unlock parts of the curriculum and to be able to understand things and to be able to show growth and there's so much more that it's just you don't it just it's not seen and i think i think you hit the nail on the head where unfortunately i think a, a lot of the time the the, con- the the concept that music is easy and the music education is easy is extra is superfluous comes from just an ignorance of what actually happens in our classrooms
1: absolutely and and i feel like we need to you know advocate for that and the cl- like have a pd talk to your administrator about having a professional development about what you do That's fine. I mean, I think a lot of administrators would go for it if you just kind of talk to them. I I know a lot of us uh, musicians and artists are very empathetic or we are very much introverts, even though a lot of what we do is very external. Um, So I, in the past, I've struggled with talking to people and administrators but i found that confidence and and when they see that come out and and they see how confident you are in what you do and that you're extremely knowledgeable they will bite and go for it
0: for sure and i think part of the the, the thing that comes you know allowing the community to see that as well. Um, so th- this year, for better or for worse, we're adding a kindergarten performance to our, our concert schedule. Um, and I'm really highly considering just doing essentially a music class with all the kindergartners and just doing it in the gym and just having their parents, you know, join for here a little bit. But, you know, most of the time just kind of watch what we do in a normal music class and, you know, hear our songs, you know, use the instruments, see the process so that people understand that it's not just playing games and singing there's so much more to that but look how joyful this is look at how we're able to show what we're lo- show what we're doing and kind of treat it more as an, an informants rather than like a concert and i think that's a wonderful way for to not only to show the other teachers in the building and our administrators but also the community at a whole of what really happens in the music classroom
1: right I, absolutely i mean they, there's just so much i mean it's almost impossible to explain what we do as music teachers because we do so much more than just putting on a performance and making people, you know, happy and and putting on that Christmas play or, or whatever you do. You know, it's just so much more than that. And I and everybody, I feel like if people saw the amount of work and skill that we put into our programs or our, you know, our, just our daily lesson, um, I think we would get a lot more respect. Like. I've had teachers just, hey, can you can you sing this song and music? I think it would be fun. I was, and you know, I have to sit quietly and say, well, I I, I might have time, but it needs to f- if it fits into my conceptual ideas for this week, or if it fits into the concepts I want to teach, um, then then I can try and sing it. If not, we'll have to save it for like the end of class or whenever we have time. Because I'm not just I- to sing, to teach songs that you want to sing
0: yeah so that's that, yeah <laughs> that is i I've actually had conversations with educators who not malicious, you know or like maliciously or like trying to be rude, but like legitimately did not know that we needed a degree to teach music or that we had standards, like legitimately did not know, and I think again, ignorance whether or not it should happen is a lot of the problem. So that thing where I think that where it comes to us as educators to advocate for what happens in the music classroom. So for you, at least, what do you think it means or what does it look like to advocate? Like what, what, what does that look like? How can we actually start the process of advocating for ourselves as professionals, but as well as our our programs in whole?
1: I think I, just a little bit of it is just really speaking up for yourself. Just Kind of even at the end of class explaining what we did in music to the next teacher. Oh my goodness, we had so much fun. This is this is what we learned today. Or just having even a simple board, like you know how teachers have their I can statements. You can have those too. Show that we are show that you're doing something. It doesn't have to be monumentous. It can be just a little thing. Oh, we learned these rhythms today and we sang these songs and the kids did amazing. Um
0: some things that I've done in the past is, like, as the teacher is picking up their kids, uh, instead of just saying, oh, they were great, or, you know, oh, they were a little chatty, be like, oh, my goodness, Mrs. Butherington, we had a wonderful day, day-to-day. We learned a new rhythm. We learned that we have a ticket ticka," And, like, basically showing, hey, we learned something. I mean, it, it's a great way to reinforce, but it's also a great way to bring the teachers in so that they don't really have the opportunity to be be blissfully ignorant you know, they, they see what they, they get at least some exposure to what's going on in our classroom.
1: Right. You know, and sometimes we have those teachers, like we, I get my kids 45 minutes once a week, you know, and you have to kind of put your foot down sometimes and say, Hey, you know, you can't be late for music. I take time to, to plan and you just say it in the nicest way possible. And that's my 45 minutes with them. And I want to make sure that they are getting everything out of the time that I have planned for them. So I'm always just.
0: (laughs) That's definitely a balancing act.
1: That's part of advocating for what you do. Even if it seems like you're being bossy or, or rude, you're not, you are advocating for yourself.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also important to realize that most of the time when we advocate for ourselves in our programs, it's not because of us. It's for our students. We know that Mm -hmm. this is what's been proven to help students, but oftentimes it can look like oh they're just trying to make their job easier or they're just trying to keep their job so how can we shift our advocacy to student first and like really focusing on the students so it doesn't just sound like we're trying to keep our jobs we're trying to make our jo- our lives easier
1: we just have to i make them shine i mean i'm i i I don't want to say I could care less about keeping my job because I do love my job, but it's not about me at the end of the day. It's not about the performance. It's about what, what did I do for them? How did I enrich their lives? And um, that's a tough question, (laughs) but it's bringing (laughs) everything to the table to make sure that my students are getting the best possible quality education. Like, because we get burned out. And I can see why some teachers absolutely, like music teachers absolutely shut down and just are like, I can't, I can't anymore. I've given up. Um, and they just kind of pick at things or show videos. And that's not always bad. I mean, yes, some days you need a break, absolutely. And that is okay. But if you're doing that every day, are you doing it for the students or are you doing it for yourself? And, and when you're to that point when you can't do it for when it's not student first, I, that's when I'm like you should probably do something else so I mean
0: yeah I think it really, I really I really like that that point it's not how can we advocate student first but how can we shift our mindset so everything that we do is student first yes. because that I think is is what needs to happen in education and I'm not saying it's easy I'm not saying that it's going to happen all the time Absolutely. but as a rule, we should be thinking of the students. How can we make our lessons better for our students? How can we make our classroom flow better for our students? How can we change a schedule so that it's beneficial to the students? And that is what we need to do as educators.
1: And like, I'm still learning. I am definitely still learning this. Like I'm only in my sixth year of teaching. um, So I am absolutely still figuring it all out. When like, right now, my biggest thing is to bring joy to my students through music because they hated it. And so right now I'm trying to bring joy into music and then also share with them musical knowledge at the same time. And I'm seeing that just, I'm three weeks in and I'm seeing the joy that they're experiencing in music. Um, and, And I wanna keep that moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it, it's. I think moving forward is a good way to think of it. It's not something we're going to solve all at once. <laughs> it's not something that is one and done. Advocacy happens constantly. These small acts of showing all the stakeholders why this is important. It doesn't have to be this huge, you know, letter-writing campaign or anything. It could just be, hey, you should teach your teach your mom, teach your grown-up one of the songs we did today. That'd be awesome. Like I would love you should teach oh, them your favorite song. And, and just. to –
1: Absolutely. You know, Just speaking of that, like teacher grown up, those informances instead of performances are amazing. Uh, it's an amazing way to advocate, not only to other teachers to say, "Hey, I'm important too," but to the parents so they can buy into your program and provide. They parents can provide so much for teachers. I mean, especially, if, and if they buy into it and they see you as, "Wow, like oh, look look how they're helping my kid." then, I
0: mean, the sky's the limit. 100%. And I, I think that we've kind of toyed around the idea of this entire interview, but really it comes down to showing the people that are part of the process why this is important. Not telling them, showing them.
1: Showing them. Taking
0: them through that process. We
1: could talk and talk and talk all day about it, but unless they see a product of our, our speech... Um, they're not going to believe us. And like today I was just like sitting there, we had a teacher in service and I was just thinking, I was like, why, why are they so focused on you know STEM? Why can't it be steam?
0: Ooh, another hill I'm going to die on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were really focused on STEM. And I was like, well, why do you have all these want like arts programs? Why do you have art and music and, and Spanish? And, and you want more when we could have, when you could have steam, you know, <laughs> And so that that's something i'll bring up in the future I, I will i will get i'm not there yet but it's coming for them. <laughs> i'm coming I,
0: for it i'm over here taking notes i'm like ooh, that's something i need to look into
1: <laughs> i mean because there's there's that that one element that's missing so yeah you, you know and so we just need to add that to to um i guess to their little front page of for sure work. and I, you know? and that
0: and that just helps every, like everyone be well-rounded. You know, it's Absolutely. not it, – we're not here to create musicians for life or, no, you know, just, professional musicians or professional music right. teachers. But I would love for them to be able to listen and understand and appreciate the arts. That's it's, why I'm teaching. And
1: that's what it It's an appreciation for the arts because some days I feel like it's just dying. And I'm like, look at all the, the you know –
0: Exactly, you know, there's there's art around us in, in all in so many different with different ways, absolutely. but so often it's missed because people focus on things that like, are different, you know.
1: Absolutely, or music sometimes isn't even seen as an art form because it's all around us all the time. For sure. So it's just I don't know I, when something's there, you don't you don't realize how much you need it until it's gone.
0: Yeah. And I, <laughs> this episode has been very like philosophical, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's important because I think a lot of it comes from a mindset, a mindset shift in us as teachers so that we can start creating mindset shifts in other people that are part of the program or part of the decision makers. Absolutely. And I, I think that's where we can start taking some traction.
1: Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I feel like I, you know, I might not bring a lot to the table <laughs> sometimes, but I feel like You know, when it comes to knowing how to help other teachers, like, express their needs and their feelings for their administrators, for other teachers, that's kind of where, like, I I jump in and come into play. I even do it for general education teachers. They're like, well, what do I say when, you know, the principal does this? And and, and I'm just there to help. Like, I'm good at talking to people.
0: So I know we've had a lot of conversation about like the philosophical like discussions of advocacy and, and, and things like that. But I want to make sure that the listeners have some sort of like actionable steps and actionable items that they can do in the coming weeks. So what advice or like, what things do you think people like check off, um, for someone who wants to advocate for themselves and their programs in the next couple of weeks?
1: Um, I think one of the things is something, you know, simple that we talked about, um, like what you mentioned as students are leaving class, talking about, oh my goodness, we learned ticket ticket today. That's a simple thing you can do as students leave class. Show what you know as, as they leave. Show what they know. You know, um, that's, I feel like that's a showable goal. Um, speak out, speak out for yourself.
0: But for sure. And I, I think another way is just, you know, invite administration into your room. Invite other teachers into the oh room be like, God. hey, as come m- hang out for a couple minutes.
1: As much as we hate being observed, um, I, I I love it. Because I'm like, yeah, you come in here and please come see what I'm doing. And please ask questions. And, you know, you can have a sign on your door for administrators or teachers. Ask me questions. Ask me what we did today. Or ask me what I'm doing and what it means. I mean, it's the, it's more the what it means that's important.
0: I feel the same way. I love observations just because it's like advocacy everywhere. Look at all the awesome stuff these kids are doing. Like, look at this. And it's just like, let's talk about this process. I I, want you to hear about this process.
1: (laughs) I invite my teachers in. I say, come sit for the last five minutes. I know one of the teachers, um, that I teach with, I taught with her last year and I brought her to this new school with me. And she, um, even last year, would just come sit in in the last five or 10 minutes of music class, just to enjoy it. I um, love
0: that so much.
1: Invite parents. I, I there's, there's a parent at my school who's an aide and she um, is in with a kindergarten class. She absolutely loves it. And I didn't have to advocate for myself after that class. She did it for me. She sent an email. To the principal oh my goodness music was amazing done i didn't even have to do it for myself
0: yeah it's literally just like free advocacy when you can get people to watch what you're doing and when you already when you're coming at it from place of hey i'm already making decisions that are student first i want you to see what we're happening what's happening that's where we can see a lot of just just awesome conversations beginning
1: um teach with your door open Yes. (laughs) I hate, sometimes I just am like, no, I don't want anyone to see what I'm doing, but I'm just like, no, what I'm doing is amazing. And I want there to be music in the hallways. If someone doesn't like it, they can say, oh, you guys are too loud. I'm going to close your door for a minute. Okay, cool. You know, but I mean, if I I can hear gym class down the hallway through the music room, might as well (laughs) with my door open, you know, at least, um, providing some musical, um, beauty I love it. So,
0: Sarah, we've talked a lot about advocacy and just like why music is important. And again, I I could talk for like hours because this is one of those hills that I'm willing to die on. Um, But (laughs) where I I don't want us to be here all night. Uh, So, Sarah, where can my listeners find more of you online?
1: Well, they can find me at um, musicwithmrsoliver.com. Um, you can find me at my teachers pay teacher store, which is also music with Mrs. Oliver. Um, my Facebook group, which is also, I believe, music with Mrs. Oliver and music education, making music education matter, because that's what I'm all about. And then you can find my podcast, Music and Mayhem, because I mean, music is absolute mayhem when you're
0: talking. <laughs> I love it. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with me. I will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Bryson.
0: If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.